Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. We worship Jesus. He's worthy of all our honour and glory. We come to worship Him. We're not chatting to anybody else. We're not giving our opinion of what we think, of what's going on in the meeting. Do we like the song? Is it too loud or quiet? Uh, Do I like the worship leaders? We need to, we need to deal with our pride, arrogance, haughtiness. That says I can do what I like in the presence of God. We need to have a reverence and a fear about our lives. we've had a great time so far Thursday night here was probably one of the most powerful meetings I've ever been in we can't mess about with God I don't care how long we've been saved what we know what we think what we think of the priorities we should be doing this that and the other We have to humble ourselves. Who do we think we are to stand around and chat? I'm not saying people are doing this. But we just have a look. What do I think? Do I like it or not? This isn't me. This is not my kind of thing. We need to bow our hearts, our minds, our lives, our attitudes, everything before Him. You can hear there's a different sound in the room this morning. There is a different sound. Why? Because God is doing something. God is doing something amongst us. What God is talking about, the scale of what He's talking about, is not just a few people getting saved here or there. And He's not just talking about what He wants to do through us as a church. He's talking about what He wants to do in our nation, in this region, in every town. What he's talking about is something unprecedented. It is off the scale, off the scale. And as we press into God, it's not for us. It's not for us to have a good time, a great time. It's for the multitudes. That's what God is talking about now. Multitudes, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And we're here, we pray through the night, we come and encounter God. We're here on a Sunday, we're here for the multitudes. Of course we're gonna get built up, of course we're gonna get encouraged, of course we're gonna get blessed, why? Because God does that, that's the way He is. As we give to Him, He gives to us. It's impossible to give to God and Him not give more to you than you can give to Him. It's impossible, you can never outgive Him. to lay aside our version of Christianity we have to lay aside the kind of Christianity we would like and where we're happy to settle and say that will do me I'm happy with that I'm at peace with that you know when we get like that we need a fresh encounter with God and we are in the process over these weeks of having a fresh encounter with God but when we meet with God 
in the way that we were on Thursday night. You can't settle for anything less than that. We, you've got to go beyond. There's more of Him. And it's not just so we have an encounter with God. That's what, not the focus. But there's something about Him being released in us as individuals and us together, along with whatever else He does in other churches. Jane was in a cafe the other day. Jack was somebody. She overheard two ladies from two other churches in Horsham. And, and they were just so excited about what God was doing in their church. They were telling about stories of what God was doing. They were excited about this, excited about the other. God is doing something. God is working. God is moving. It doesn't matter what kind of church we're going to. It could be this kind of thing or it could be more of a denominational kind of church. It doesn't matter. But God is at work. God is at work. Where any church, where any believers are open, God's going to move. God's going to do something. God's going to reveal more of who He is. Stuff's going to happen. Lives are going to get changed. People are going to get saved. But the scale of what He's talking about is more than just a few here or there or whatever. It's not just about being a little bit better at evangelism. We need to be better at sharing our faith and how we communicate that and how we lead people to the Lord because at the end of the day, harvest is about loads and loads of people coming to the Lord. So we're going to know how to need to share our faith and be effective at it. We need to know how to lead people to Christ. At the same time, it's something that God is releasing. But as He's releasing, He releases something in us. It's a two-way thing. We're not just praying for God to pour out something out, just generic that something's happening. God releases what He's doing in the church, in His people, in His bride. He releases what He's doing in the individual, in the body, who we are together. He releases what He's doing and then there's a greater release out there. And as He's doing that in here, He then does something sovereign to meet what He's doing on the in the individual and in the body as He releases Himself afresh in us and we allow Him to do that. But that only happens when you press into Him. You'll never invade your will. He'll never just do something because you think, it'd be nice if God just absolutely decked me and then I could be like this. No, God meets you at your point of desire. He meets you at your point of longing. He meets you at your point of hunger. And where there are hungry people, He meets people at that point. And then there's a breaking out in every person, this fire that God's been speaking about. Stir up the gift that is within you. Stir up the fire that is within you. That fire is His life. It's His Spirit. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's who He is on the inside of us that we're stirring up who He is on the inside of us. Deals with the rubbish and releases Him in a fresh way. I'm standing here this morning thankful Father I thank you there's a different sound in the room you're doing something you're doing something but I don't want to settle for that we want to go way beyond that we want to be throne room people it's been great we want to come right into His throne room because that's where things happen and when we are changed and as we are changed more and more happens around our lives it's not about putting more effort into what we do well if we all just put more effort into that we would see more happen no that's saying that this is upon what we do that determines what God does. Now, the two are connected, but it's not about if we do more, then more will happen. Because the scale of the fruitfulness God is talking about begins in the throne room. It begins in the secret place. It begins in the prayer room. You can never, ever get away from that, ever. 
But it's then what is released from that place that releases the multitude and the scale of what he wants to do. Sorry if I've punctured your meeting this morning and you thought, wow, this is going great this morning. Then suddenly he's coming up and he's having a go at us. No, God wants to stir. There's a stirring, there's a stirring. I'm not putting down what's going on this morning. But guys, there is so much more, so much more, so much more. We can't stand here on it. We cannot do Sunday mornings. We cannot just do Sunday mornings. The future of this church is at stake at this time. The future of any church is at stake at this time. And we want to make sure the one that we're in and we're responsible for doesn't just carry on the same, do the same and be the same. We've got to be who God has called us to be. The future of this church the state, the state is, is, is at stake now at this time. God is talking about a harvest. We're not just going to carry on having good meetings and a good time and a few small groups and a bit of activity here and there. No, no, no. There's something on a whole nother level that God is speaking about and wants to do. And this is your opportunity this morning. This is your opportunity this morning to decide where you want to be in your life with God. You might say, Clive, you're being pretty dramatic this morning, aren't you? Can't help it. You can sit down if you want. You can stand if you want. You can kneel if you want. But I just want to encourage you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't just sit and listen to a message because this isn't really a message. This is me just sharing a bunch of stuff that God is saying to us, that God is doing amongst us. I, I said to the Lord, Oh, it'd be great to have such an amazing flowy morning that was just off the scale and everything else. And, and God said to me, that's great. There's encounter nights for that. But what I want to do, I want to speak to the body. I want to speak in a, in a sober way, if you know what I mean. Because it's in that soberness that we make real life-changing decisions. It's not just in the massive atmosphere of the encounter because that's when we meet with God we're in awe of Him and we walk away in awe of Him and all we do is talk about Him it's like God you're awesome you're amazing but then there's some steps that are required from that encounter that you need to know what they look like because there is a cost to pay there's a cost to count and you need to decide in the cold light of day do I want to pay that cost and do I want to live that kind of life that I've called you to live as a disciple because disciples lay their lives down disciples live for others they don't live live for themselves. Disciples live for, the, live for the next one who's going to be saved, the next one who's going to be matured, the next one who's going to be released. Because the disciple says, everything that's on the inside of me, I want to pour into somebody else, somebody that doesn't know Jesus yet, so they come to know Him. Somebody that has just come to know Jesus, I want to pour everything into them. Or somebody that's been saved for a while, I want to pour into them. Or the next generation, I want to pour into the next generation. Everything that God has, in, has put in me, I want to pour into them, so they can pour into their generation so they can release into their mates into whatever's going on there so if you want a title for this morning's chat it's watchmen and workmen watchmen and workmen watchmen and workmen Nehemiah he hears about Jerusalem being ransacked and taken over and his response is, he weeps. And he goes to pray. And he fasts and he prays. 
And it says, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. God gave him in that moment of prayer and you can read his prayer in Nehemiah 1 as he prayed out and cried out to the Lord. God told him what to do. See, when we cry out to God and when we fast and we pray, it's fasting and praying in of itself is a total waste of time as a good work. It doesn't get us brownie points with God. We pray and we fast because we set some time aside from things we normally do like eating. And we, we instead, we come into God and we say, God, I'm gonna fast from that because you wanna release something else because you wanna do something more than I'm seeing. And, and you wanna do that in me, but you wanna do it through me and around me and everything else. So this guy fasted and prayed. God spoke to him, told him what to do. He went and inspected the walls. He got a plan of action. And he went to the king and he asked him, would you give me supplies and everything? I need to go and build my city where I came from because it's, it's in ruin. And the king gave him all the things he needed. And they began to uh, move towards building the walls of Jerusalem and re-establishing the city. Then it says in verse, in chapter four, it says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem. So when people heard that the walls were gonna rebuild, the city was gonna be re-established, there was a bunch of people that wanted to oppose him, that wanted to come against him. And so they were plotting to, uh, to come against those who were rebuilding the walls. And they began to stir up trouble against them. But then Nehemiah says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. God is speaking about day and night, night and day. Your flesh absolutely hates it. Your flesh hates it. But your spirit loves it. Now, along with this watchman and workman this morning, there's some, another aspect to the message. It's eternal or temporal. Your flesh is temporal. So you hear something like day and night, night and day. It doesn't mean you have to pray all night necessarily. God might say to do that. But in terms of night and day, what He wants is as a body, as a church, this continual night and day prayer, night and day worship, night and day prayer, night and day worship. Why? Because it breaks the power of the enemy's hold on people's lives, on a community, on a town, on a region, all of that. Why? It's persistent breakthrough, releasing prayer that is overcoming the enemy, that is pulling down strongholds, that is releasing the purposes of God. We don't just live by day and go to sleep at night. It's when we go to sleep at night that the devil comes out to play and so much stuff gets released and happens that is demonic, that is unrighteous, that is unclean, that causes all kinds of things in people's lives. And as we pray through the night, there's night watches, there's hours of prayer, there's, there's, there's hours of prayer and all that that accomplish different things in the Spirit when we pray. And God is calling His church all over the nation to pray day and night, day and night, day and night. And He's calling us as a church, as a house of prayer for all nations to be one of those houses of prayer. A house of prayer is not just a place where people that love praying go and pray in a prayer room. A house of prayer is called the church, the people of God, the body of Christ. So they posted a guard day and night. Then in, later on in chapter four, it says, Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. 
wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us. These three weeks is the sound of the trumpet. So God speaks to us, hey, 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 church, hey, kingdom faith, I want you to come and pray and fast for three weeks. <laughs> there's the trumpet sound. Come and pray because there's a release, there's breakthrough, there's things I want to say, things I want to do that's going to lead you into the next season of much greater fruitfulness, much greater release of, of, of what God wants to do. But we all have to come together to be one heart, one mind, one spirit together. Then it says, our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn to the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve as guards or watchmen by night and then workmen by day. You see, we're not just talking about praying. We're talking about praying and going. Pray and go, pray and go. The two go together. You can't have prayer without the going and you can't have the going without the prayer because the two together determine the fruitfulness of what God has said and what He's promised. And Nehemiah understood this. We need to, we need to have, be at guard at night, pray at night, defend at night. And then we work in the day. We go in the day. We do what God says in the day. Neither I nor your brothers nor or my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went to water. What's God talking about? 24-7. We know we're clothed in Him. We are in Christ. They never took off their clothes. What does that mean? It means they were always ready. Always ready, all the time. Constantly ready. Ready to guard ready to go forward, ready to defend, ready to go forward, ready to watch and ready to work, ready to watch, ready to work. They never took their clothes off. And for us spiritually, we don't take our spiritual clothes off in any way, shape or form. Just stay with me, right? I don't know, I might have upset you this morning the way I've started and everything. I don't know. If I have, then please forgive me. But maybe sometimes we can get upset because we, we react and not respond. My intention isn't to annoy anybody, upset anybody, or, or purposely be in a certain way. But if you're upset, you have to ask yourself the question, why am I upset and why am I annoyed this morning? Why is this disgruntled me? Why is this disturbing me? You have to start with yourself. We have to understand God's eternal purposes, not our temporal ones. God's been speaking about this sailing ship, this warship, this galleon ship that's part of an armada. And He was saying that every one of our lives is a ship. We have a mast, we have rigging, we have sails. Can you put that picture up on the screen? You can have a look at this picture that's up there. Can you take the Kingdom Faith Church bit off? Is that okay? Just put this, yeah, great, brilliant. Now that was drawn by um, Kerry Hopkins. She was at uni, this is not in the last week, the week before, while she was at uni, she felt God say to her, I want you to draw a, a sailing ship. That's what she drew, drew. Now she didn't know what God had said in the encounter night about all this stuff that came out in the moment, in the flow of what was out about sailing ships, this, that and the other. 
and she phoned her mum. She said, oh, God's got me to draw this uh, thing of a ship, but I don't know why. And she's like, oh, that's funny. God has spoken to us in the encounter night about this, about warships, about sailing ships, that everybody's a ship and everybody's life has a mast and the mast is the Word and, it's, and our lives need to be rooted in the Word because that holds everything together. And then the rigging needs to be tight. The rigging is our response to the Word so that our lives, the sails of our lives can be wide out like that. And if the rigging's not tight, then the, then the, the sails flap about, they get damaged, the, the ship gets knocked all over the place and doesn't get to its destination. It doesn't take it through the storms to where it needs to be or whatever the context is. And so God gave her that drawing, that, that thing to draw, not knowing what was going on here. And then somebody said to me, you know, when, when uh, they sent these, these the, the Armada went in, they had fire ships. And those fire ships then went in and six fire ships in the English Navy defeated uh, 150 Spanish ships of that Armada and defeated the, the Spanish in that, in that war. Six fire ships defeated 150 and God's been speaking to us about the fire stir up the fire stir up the gift that is within you and every one of us is like one of these ships and God wants us our mast to be held secure rooted in His Word our response to that is the rigging is tight so the sails can be how they need to be so that we can move with God individually and together as a church but we're not just a ship you know we're, we're full of fire because God's been so we're fire ships going into enemy territory and it doesn't need many to defeat the enemy because it's God is the one that fights the battle and wins the victory. He just needs to be some people who are going to be in the prayer room and then respond to Him and go in His name to see those victories take place. Are you, are you with me this morning? You're here. Are you glad you came? I don't know if you came for a nice Sunday morning, but this is what we're having today. What did God say on the vision morning at the beginning? He says, all hands on deck, emergency, emergency, all hands on deck. We had no idea He was going to start talking about ships and this and that and the other. But he said, emergency, emergency, all hands on deck. People's lives are going down. They're, drown they don't, they're drowning in their own sin and they don't even realise it. Now we've been rescued out of that amazingly. We're so thankful for what God's done. Maybe there are some people here today and you don't know Jesus. And God's heart for you. is one of unfailing love. He'll never let you down like people can and maybe have. He gives us Himself when we don't deserve Him. We don't deserve God. We don't, none of us do. But because His nature is love and that love is unfailing and He, he wants to know every person on the planet and He wants them to know Him. He wants that for you today, to have a relationship with Him. See, on this ship, all hands on deck. It means the crew come to the deck. It means they're all involved in this thing moving forward. They all have a place. They all have a role. They all have responsibility. They all have, and if somebody's missing, something won't happen. They don't just stay below. They all, when, it, when it's all hands on deck because they're going into war, it's not just for half of you go and eat your lunch and, and, and play cards and have a drink or whatever and the rest of us will go up onto the deck and we'll be out in the storms and this, that and the other. No, when it's emergency, emergency, everybody's involved. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody's essential in God's purposes. 
What does that ship do? It goes into enemy territory and it plunders. Plunders the enemy. Plunders the enemy. And God, I know some of this is spiritual language, but we'll get to some other bits in a minute. But we need to understand if we don't think spiritually, we don't think how God thinks and sees things, we'll just, we'll keep going at a temporal level. And we'll, we'll weigh everything and discern everything from a temporal level. And you'll see everything through your own eyes. And then you'll make your own, adjudge, own judgments and opinions. And you'll get annoyed in certain ways about certain things to do with others, to do with yourself, to do with the church and everything else. When we don't perceive, we spiritualize. Another thing God spoke about connected with water and boats, if you like, for a moment. When Pete went, when Jesus was in the boat and he said to the guys, go out into the deep and throw your nets on the other side. So they went out into the deep and they threw their nets and the catch was so big, they had to call the other boats to come and help them bring the catch in. You see, what God's doing is not just about one church, it's about the church. And he's saying to the church, come on, go out into the deep, throw down your nets. There is such a massive haul of fish, a massive haul of people. There's so many people that need to come to know me. You're never going to be able to contain that many in one church. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean the church coming together, the church working together, the church praying together, the church believing together, the church reaching out together. It's going to mean churches in unity and one heart together, going together, praying together, believing together, moving together, working together. So during the last couple of weeks, we've prayed for the church in Horsham quite a few times. We've been praying for the church in the region quite a few times. Why? Because He wants us as a body of Christ in this area to work together. Because the scale of what He's going to do, there's not one church that can do it all. But we must play our part. Our ship, if we can put it that way, must be fit for purpose. Everybody must be hands on deck, mast secure, rigging tight, sails right out. Why? Because on a ship, there's room for people. There's room for people. There's room for people. In your life and my life, there's room for people. There's room for people that don't know Jesus. There's room for people that are struggling. There's room for people that are angry. There's, there's room for people that are panicking. There's room for people that are sick. There's room for people that are uh, in bitterness. There's, there's room for people that are in shame. There's room for people that are in regret. There's room for people that their lives are shattered and a mess. There's room for people who are full of arrogance and pride. There's room for people who need to know Jesus in our lives. There's room, there's room. On that ship, there's food and water. On that ship, there's shelter. On that ship is a place of safety and rescue. On that, pl- on that ship, it's a shelter from the storm that can carry them to somewhere new. What does it mean? It, it, it means that we need to lay our lives down. We'll come to a bit more of that in a minute. Pastor Gary, in one of the encounter nights, oh, last week sometime, in the midst of whatever God was saying about the ship or whatever it was, that whatever part it was that night, as he was praying, God just said one word to him. In the middle of in meeting with God, God said, Gary, synchronize. And so he's just written a few things here when he shared it the other day. And I'm just going to just read what he, because it's better if I read what he shared than me just coming out with something. 
He said, last night God spoke to me about when, when, when God was speaking about an armada of ships moving together into the sea of lostness to save people. As soon as I heard the word armada, I saw an old-fashioned ship's clock. It was an intricate timepiece. I heard the Lord say one word to me, synchronize, to cause to indicate the same time as one timepiece with another to cause to go on, to move, to operate, to work at the same rate and exactly together. God said to me, Gary, are you willing and ready to synchronise your life and heart to my purposes? Are you willing and ready to synchronise to heaven's agenda and heaven's leading? Are you willing to synchronise to my eternal purposes? Are you willing to bring your life into my alignment? And he says, as, as God was speaking to me and meet with me and, and that the Lord reminded me of when I visited the naval docks last summer and I walked through Lord Nelson's flagship and then he reminded me what is the name of the ship the name of the ship is the victory and there on that ship I stood on a copper plate on the floor the very moment place where Nelson had fallen and he said Nelson had laid down his life for the service of his country I believe he had a calling from God and he fulfilled it. Nelson's crew lived every day on this ship in storm or in fair weather. Every one of his crew lived <laughs> on the victory. They all lived on the victory, in the victory. That's how God's called us to be. We'll come to a bit more of that in a moment. And this victory ship was a warship. It wasn't a cruiser. It wasn't a hospital. It was a warship. It was a ship for victory. The crew rotated their watches uh, four hours on and four hours off or four hours resting. See, when we hear a message like this, it can seem like God wants us all to be just running 150 miles an hour frenetically. Pray, 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 pray. Go, 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 go. Pray, 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 pray. Go, 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 go. It's like, Clive, give us a break. Can you just pause for a moment? Take a breath. God's not asking any of us to run at 150 miles an hour and do our heads in. What He's saying is, as a church, as a body, I want you to run at 150 miles an hour. But as each person takes their place, as each person stands as a watchman, whether in the day or the night, and as each person lives as a workman then you will move at a greater pace if you take that one hour watch I'm not asking anybody to pray 24 hours 7 days a week on your own I'm just asking take your one hour what does that look like in the going Whatever I ask you to do, just do that. And as you stand in the, as a watchman and as you then live as a workman and you just pray what I give you to pray and you do whatever I show you to do, as a church, you will move at a much quicker pace.
So they were on for four hours, rested for four hours. In that rest period, they had to clean and wash their clothes, ready for the next watch. So while they're on this warship, they lived in the victory. But they were, they were on mission the whole time. Sometimes that it was their responsibility at that moment, right, we're praying, we're praying, or we're doing our work. But actually, I've, I've got a rest time now, but somebody else is praying, other people are working. And, and there was this kind of rotation going on to make sure that the ship could be what it was supposed to be. Nelson knew the importance of time. He once said to his officers, time is everything. Five minutes makes the difference between victory and defeat. On the morning of the battle, on the 21st of October, 1805, he ordered them to make sure their watches were synchronised. Nelson had a thing about time and timing in battle. That's why he was so successful. And at the end of the day, God is our, he's in charge. And God's the one that gives the instructions. He's the one that gives the orders. He's the one that gives the commands. He's the one that sets the tempo and the time. And when God sets the time and he says, synchronize, he's saying to his body, his church, hey guys, synchronize. Synchronize your lives right now. Because there's something that I am beginning to do, but there's something I must fulfill. But I need you to be synchronized. I need you to be in time with me. And therefore, you will be in time with one another. Synchronized together. So these guys lived on the victory, in the victory, in the same way that we live in the victory of who Christ is. You know, when we pray, we pray from a place of victory. We're not trying to get the victory when we pray. See, if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, that's, that's who we are in Christ as a believer, as Christians. When we pray into situations, we're not praying from earth up to heaven saying, God, would you, would you send your victory here? He says, no, you're seated with me in heavenly places. So when you pray, you're already in a place of victory. So you're praying the victory into a situation that needs the victory, but, but you already have it. That's why I'm getting you to pray because there's a release of the victory for the situations. See, when we pray, when we hold up people before the throne of God, what are we doing? When we hold them up before His throne, if we are in Christ and Christ is in us and we pray from a place of victory, when we hold people up before the throne, we, we hold them up beyond the reach of the enemy. When we hold people up in prayer, the enemy can't reach them because we're holding them up before the throne of God. He has no answer to prayer. He has no answer to believers who believe what they pray. He has no answer to the blood of Jesus at work in people's lives. He has no answer to the power of God at work in people's lives. And when we begin to pray into something, the enemy has no answer. He might resist, he might push back. He can only resist and push back because he knows he can't win. Because he knows 
what Jesus did on the cross. He understands what Jesus accomplished on the cross. The devil gets it. And he knows what Jesus being resurrected from the dead meant. It meant he's stuffed. The devil knew himself, that he himself, I'm stuffed because Jesus has come alive from the dead. He thought because he died on the cross, the devil thought, I've won, I've defeated him, that's it, he's dead. But when Jesus rose, all hell shook. This can't be, this can't be, this can't be, this can't be. He didn't see it coming, but Jesus rose from the dead because sin and death, everything else cannot hold Jesus down. And He rose from the dead. And that same resurrection life, that same life of power is in every person who believes. And the enemy has no answer to that. And when we stand together and pray and believe and go, the enemy has no, no answer to it. The only thing you can do is push back, push back, push back. But we keep pushing back the other way. Amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through Him who has loved us. We don't fight in order to win because Christ has already given us the victory. I tell you the truth most emphatically, you have authority to prevent on earth uh, what has already been released in heaven and you can liberate on earth what already has been liberated in heaven. If we don't pray, there are things that are not supposed to happen on earth that happen if we don't pray. When we do pray, there are things that don't happen because we prayed. But also when we pray, things are released to happen that are supposed to happen. And I know there's a lot of going in relation to that as well. Another picture, Kevin and Sharon who lead the, the Birch Hill congregation, they've, these two things interweave. They've had stuff. I just want to read out this. Firstly, Sharon, she said, I saw a picture of a huge river. One side of the river was death. The other side was life. There were a few tiny bridges. On the side of death, there were a multitude of people. On the side of life, there were only a few. On the side of life, people were trying to build these bridges and calling the people on the other side to cross over. But they realised we don't have enough bridges. The side of life was green, grassy and full of trees and fruit and sunshine. It was a nice place to be. And people were enjoying the blessings of that side. Then there's a shift in the middle of this. In the book of Esther, she was queen, the wife of the king. She was enjoying the King's blessings and His presence like we all have been and are and do. But then she received a message from Mordecai. Uh, it was a relative, her uncle, saying all of the Jews were going to be killed. So she had to come to a decision as to what she was going to do. Let's just read something in Esther 4. So Mordecai basically said, you're going to have to go before the king and ask him for permission to change the edict that has been put out because the king didn't realise something had been done in his name that he didn't know. 
And he said, you got to, he said to Esther, you've got to go before the king. And she's like, even though I'm the queen, not even I can go before him unless I'm summoned. Anybody who goes before the king without being summoned, then has to, has to, has to die. And this is what his reply to her was. No one can, uh, she said, no one can go before the king without being summoned. And then he sent this answer back. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone uh, of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will have to come from somewhere else, from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther's reply to Mordecai was, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my maids will fast as you do. When you do this, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And one of the things that Kevin said was this sentence just kept coming through. If I perish, I perish. But not one will die or perish without me doing something about it, without me answering the call, without us building those bridges. These bridges are built in prayer, first of all, standing in the gap, building the bridges. The enemy, as we heard the other day from one of the other dreams that somebody else had in the church, we heard how the enemy is waiting to collect people's souls. Now we're alive now. So we are in a certain watch now. And I'm sure you do as well as I do. We don't want to allow anything to happen on our watch that is not supposed to be happening. And we know there's loads going on that shouldn't be. And that's why there's a call to the church, not just our one, but the church, to be the watchman in prayer, but then also to be the workman in the day. Then the enemy is waiting to collect souls, but... I don't know about you, but we cannot allow that to happen on our watch. The bridges are being built in prayer and need to continue being built so the multitudes can cross over. Matthew 10, Jesus gathers the 12 and still in the context of this, this, the bridges and and Esther and all of that. uh, In Matthew 10, Jesus gathers the 12 and He sends them. He says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. For us, go to the lost sheep of Horsham, the 25 mile radius and beyond. As you go, proclaim this message. We know the message is, if you know the Bible there, the kingdom of heaven is near. It says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse people from incurable diseases, drive out demons. And then when you come a bit further, a few verses later, He then says this in verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Your flesh hates this message. Your spirit loves it. This message is not God saying, guys, do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. Part of this morning is keep surrendering everything. 
keep surrendering everything. Because there's a life that is needing to be lived in a certain way for the scale of what I want to do to be accomplished. God's just speaking to us this morning about normal Christianity. He's not speaking to us about living a special life or living a more given over life than than what the gospel is and what being part of the kingdom is. He's speaking to us about the normal Christian life. But the normal Christian life has been so unnormalized that when we hear this sort of message or people hear this, they're like, I mean, that's a bit radical, that's a bit full on. Oh, here we go, another lay your life down message, another give yourself to me message, another, oh, we're not doing enough. This is not, we're not doing enough message. Stuff that. God, we, none of us live under condemnation, if you know Jesus. This is not about, we're not doing enough. Kevin just says before we finish this part, again, if I perish, I perish. Just kept coming through. That means in order for the, the edict to be changed, something to change, she had to go before the king. She had to make a decision. Am I going to lay my life down? Am I potentially going to be executed by going into his presence? This, isn't, this is not translated into if I go into the presence of God, I'll get, you know, I've had it. This is a decision relating in the moment. Am I going to lose my life and therefore gain what God wants to do? Or am I going to save my life but then lose what God wants to do? Can't have it both ways. It's only the grace of God that can enable any of us to live in the way that God calls believers, disciples, the church to live. None of us can try and live this in our own effort. None of us can strive to live this in our own effort. As we meet with God and allow Him to meet with us and as we allow Him to work in our hearts something changes on the inside and therefore you then willingly, joyfully you give yourself to whatever God says because that's the desire of your heart. Where there's a conflict that goes on within us it's because there are other desires that have some kind of place in our lives so that when we hear a message that is both challenging and encouraging or encouraging and challenging then, then, then we begin to weigh up, well, hang on a minute, what about this? What about that? I don't like that sort of thing. That's not my kind of message. I like a father's love message. Well, God is a good father. He is a good father. Yeah, he's full of love and compassion, unfailing love that will never let you down. But he's also a mighty warrior. He's also a mighty warrior that goes to war and wins because there's no other outcome with God. Matthew 26, Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples were there. He says, after praying once, He returned to them and found them sleeping. He said, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? 
then he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Why does God say to pray? Because if you don't, something else will take hold of you in a different way. You'll give your life to think. Why is he saying, stir up the gift that is within you? Stir up the fire that is within you. Why? Because he knows if we don't, everything gets boring because we get bored on the inside because there's nothing of God at work in us. Not because God doesn't want to, but because we haven't stirred up the nature and the life of who God is in us. And as we stir up that gift, as we stir up the fire, as we stir up, He speaks, He works, He moves, He leads, He guides, He takes His places. And we don't mind because that's become the desire of our heart and our life. Why why did they fall asleep? Because in the moment they weren't ready. They didn't understand the moment. We see God speaking to every one of us. He speaks as a church so that we understand the moment. We don't just know the signs of the times. Well, people need saving. Yeah, we know that. And it's not, well, let's just get out there and get on with it. Well, we we need to. But the scale of what God is talking about, it needs an engine room, a furnace of people in prayer, in faith, who are saying, Jesus, not my life, but yours. If it means getting up in the night and praying for an hour, or if it means not watching TV in the evening because you said, I want you to go and pray for this person, this situation, I'll do that. If it means missing a meal or you say every Wednesday I want you to fast or every Monday I want you to fast or whatever it might look like, whatever God says that is your place on the deck in terms of how God has shown you what that looks like in your life. We can't dictate to God the terms. He tells us what the terms are. The thing is, do we respond to his terms? There's a word from another lady in the church. She said, I saw a large canal lock with huge metal gates holding back a vast volume of water. It wasn't like uh, the little Way and Aaron type canal. It was more like the Panama Canal. Waiting at the lock was a boat bobbing on the high water. I saw that nothing was really happening and I knew that I had to get out of the boat and grasp the lock key and begin to turn it so that the gate would open and the water be released. I was unwilling at first because it involved quite a bit of effort to get out of the boat. And then turning the key required determination and persistence. But as I did, I knew I had to. The gates began to open and water was released, filling the canal beyond the lock. It was tiring and challenging, but effective I think sometimes as Christians we, we without realising it we want it easy sometimes we don't understand spiritual principles the way things work why do we press into God one because we want to know Him two because we want to hear His heart three we want to pray what He's praying Four, we then want to go where He's going. It's all of those. It's not just because we want to know Him. But we just want to hear His voice. It's because we want to pray what He's praying and also go where He's going. Sometimes in prayer, you have to persist, you have to persist, you have to keep going, keep going. It's not that God hasn't answered. 
But there's a victory to be won in the situation that we're praying the victory into. But there's resistance that goes on. There's resistance and we ain't giving up. We are not going to settle for anything less than God's best. I haven't looked out, so I don't know if anybody's still in the room. You might have all gone home. You might have thought, oh, he can stand up there on his own and rattle off whatever he wants to. I'm going home to have my lunch. I've had enough of that. I'm going to go and find something else to do. Hopefully you're all still here. Here's another thing. Somebody else again in one of the meetings. I had such a strong sense that there's a, such a need for unity, for togetherness. And so I, I thought, oh, I better pray into that. So I started to pray into that. And I really felt this very much about who we are as a congregation, that as we meet and gather, we need to be one, be, we need to be with one purpose together and not distracted. Then last night during the encounter, I was reminded of the day of Pentecost where it says they were together in one place with one heart and mind. As I prayed and listened further, I felt it was more than being together in the same physical space. place. It's about being together in complete unity, one agenda, one purpose, united for the cause. No one more important than anybody else. That what God has planned will take a united body for it to be worked out and played out. Then Then that night, I also had a dream. And I saw a scene in the early hours. People came together. They were standing side by side. There was, not, there was no gap between anyone. But uh, everyone looked the same. They were like silhouettes in a circle because this is not about a name or a, a particular individual, right? So everybody looked like silhouettes, it says here, uh, in a circle, which got bigger as people joined. And they seemed to join quickly. Then the circle kind of resembled a ring as a big light form came, uh, uh, sorry, then the circle kind of resembled a ring. As a big light form then came to the circle and light then went from this to every silhouette, which became filled with light. Then light shot outwards from the lighted silhouettes. I then saw what seemed to be our region from above. And as the light went out, it hit on different places and areas which were dark, but then they became light. I had a sense of great joy come into each area that was hit by the light. We know who the light is, it's Jesus. At the same time, more silhouettes joined the circle, but this time they were already alight because of what God was doing. The circle got wider and deeper as more joined. I don't know how many things that God has said over the last few weeks uh, along those sort of lines about numbers, about scale, about multitudes, about many, about abundance, about all of that stuff. And it'd be very, very easy to say, okay, Clive, great. But when are we going to see it? Why don't you stop talking about half this stuff that's very spiritual and just get real and practical? We'll never have the practical outworkings without the spiritual dynamic and release of who God is and what He's doing. If the scale of what God is talking about was already happening, we'd already already be functioning spiritually in the way to see it. So this message isn't, if we do more of that, God will do more of the other. No, it's, I want to do that at that scale, is what God's saying. But in order for that scale of release, I need that to be happening spiritually in the body. And as we continue to move forward, there's going to be an increase, increase as we go forward. 
a great release, great release, great release. So we're not trying to jump from A to Z in one go. We're moving forward in what God is saying and doing. Another word, last one, then we're going to pray. What's the time? Right. Somebody else who's been in this building every night during the prayer and fasting, been praying here for two hours in the building, somebody in the body here. While I was praying at the church on Wednesday night, God reminded me of a vision that I once had in Leicester where I grew up. It was of four massive angels stood around, around in the city, surrounding the city, one in the north, one in the south, one in the east, one in the west. In between them was a giant clear dome that completely covered the city. As I remember this, I believe God said, uh, was saying to me that he was sending four massive angels to Horsham to stand in the north, the south, the east and the west. And like the giant clear dome that was over Leicester, that God showed me a giant clear dome over Horsham. So I said to the Lord, what is this thing? And he said to me, it's the shield of faith, but it's a city sized one. Then, in, then I read in Psalm 91 too, I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And I began to declare that, that He is our refuge and fortress. And as I was doing this, God focused me in on the word refuge. So I began to look up other scriptures that talk about refuge and came across this one in Numbers 35. Six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge. As I read and prayed, I kept coming back to the phrase city of refuge and felt that God was saying that He's making Horsham a city of refuge. And in Judges 9, it says, Inside the city, however, uh, there was a strong tower to which all the men and women, all the people of the city fled. They had locked themselves in and climbed to the top of the tower. In Proverbs 18, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and they will be safe, will be saved. I felt that God was saying that within the city of refuge in Horsham, there is a strong tower. And as we run to it and lock the door and go up into our roof and pray, we'll be safe. But then I thought, no, there's more to it than that. And what God said to me was, as refugees, as the people who don't know me, come to the city of refuge. They will not only find refuge, but they will run into the strong tower and be saved. Then God said to me, are you ready for the refugees? Are you ready for the people that don't know me? I think that's another bell ringing moment of many bell ringing moments that God has been speaking to us about. So let's jump to our feet, shall we? God, God is on the move. He is on the move. All this we know has got to lead to greater fruitfulness. Greater fruitfulness. Which is why He's doing what He's doing and I'm sure you're already seeing answers to prayer and things happen around your life, whatever's going on. But we need to see with, firstly, from God's eyes, how He sees things so that we cooperate with Him, firstly, in the Spirit, in prayer, as watchmen. But then, in the light of that, we then know how to live as workmen. The two go hand in hand. We want to live for God's eternal purposes, not just our own temporal ones. And we know there are day-to-day -day things we all have to do because that's life. But we're not governed by those things and led by those things. 
We're governed and led by who He is and what He's saying in our lives. February the 1st, Saturday, Roffey, couple of weeks' time, couple of weekends' time. Life Discovery are hosting a training kind of day, mid-morning to early, mid-afternoon. We've got one or two people who are going to be speaking. Uh, Kurt Erickson's one of those who we've got a great, he's a great friend of Kingdom Faith and he's part of uh, Kingdom Faith London, part of the church up there. And he also leads another church called, a kind of work called Church Without Walls, reaching many homeless people and, and others in need. And he's one of those that is going to be sharing about what is the gospel? How do you share the gospel? How do you share your faith? How do you lead people to Christ? There's going to be somebody else involved in that as well who's seeing many, many people coming to know Christ and, and equipping many Christians to be effective in that area. And on that Saturday, that's a, a, a brilliant opportunity, a great resource opportunity to get some training, get some equipping, get some faith inspired in you. You know, because sometimes we look at things that we're not so sure of or not sure how to do and we, and we, we tend to back off because like, well, I don't know how to do that. Or I'm not very good at that. Or I don't know, you know, and all of that. And, and sometimes it just needs a little bit of training, a few tools in your hands. And a few tools in your hands, like the, the, the disciples had the five loaves and the two fish. They had a few things in their hands. And what did Jesus say? He says, well, give me what's in your hands. Then, then Jesus blessed it and gave it back. And when He gave it back, it multiplied. And, and sometimes we just need a few tools in our hands. And we say, Father, I've got these tools. I've been encouraged and everything. And I just want to put these things back in your hands, in me, in your hands. And, and I want you to bless it, Father, so that when I go and I put these tools to work, something effective is going to happen. Something's going to get released. How many of you, you understand what I'm saying? So I want to encourage you, make the most of that opportunity. Two Saturdays time, not next Saturday, the one after. 10.30, it starts. Get some training, get some equipping. Get activated, get released in, in, in as a first step towards some stuff. And I know I've sort of gone on, gone, you know, spoke for a while. And I know we're in a process. So I'm not saying we're starting to point A, we're somewhere FGH, I don't know, down there somewhere as a church. It's in our general walk with God, where we're going. And in these three weeks of what God is doing. But I just cannot get away from every encounter night in some way or other. At some point, there's been a challenge as well as loads of encouragement and release and everything else that's gone on. There's always been a moment where it's like, okay, keep surrendering, keep surrendering, keep laying your life down, keep laying your life down. Are you prepared for the cost? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? That just keeps coming through. And can't get away from the same question that God is still asking us because sometimes God has to speak many times in many different ways to get our attention and to fully understand what he's saying and to realise what that looks like in our lives. So maybe just say to the Lord, Father, I want to be a watchman. Well, you are. Maybe you are being a watchman already. Father, I thank you. You want me to be a watchman and you want me to be a workman. Whatever that looks like in prayer, just respond in your life.
today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever your prayer watch is, just get in that prayer room. Get in wherever you pray. Be that watchman. Stand guard because it takes all hands on deck. Nehemiah, everybody was involved in rebuilding the walls. There were everything it talks about, the words they talk about in there, there were everything from the nobles, from the the governors of of regions to the deputy governors um, through to uh, even mentions perfume makers and, and, and other things that people were doing. And it doesn't matter who people were, they were all part of building the walls and rebuilding this thing. So everybody's important, everybody's significant. And just thinking that you're a workman, He's called you to be a workman. And maybe you need to say, Father, show me what that is, what that looks like if you don't know already. What does that look like to be a workman? But the most important thing out of all of that is that ship, the sails were out. The word, the mast, we're hearing what God is saying. The rigging is going to be as tight as you determine your responses to what God's saying through this time that He's taking us through and what He's saying into your life personally. will determine how far those sails are out and how taught they are to catch the wind of what He's doing and saying. And together as a church, we then go forward. But He'll show you what it looks like in reality. But basically what we're saying to do with the ship is that says, I'm available, God. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. I'm available. I'm available. I know many of us have been through freedom and many of us have had breakthroughs in freedom. But I know there's quite a number of people in the, in the, across the church but also in the congregation here you've never been through freedom or living in freedom every day. I want to encourage you if you've never been through that part of our discipleship pathway I want to encourage you to sign up go through freedom in this next uh, season. Starts Groups start not this week but the following week. Why? Because we want to disciple people effectively. Sometimes we don't realise there's things that God wants to speak to us about and show us in our lives He wants to be free from so that we live more fully in the truth of who He is and what He's done for us so that we live more fruitfully and effectively. I want to encourage you, if you've never been through freedom, encourage sign up, get involved. It's 50 quid or something like that. If you can't afford the 50 quid, then let us know. It doesn't matter. We'd rather you get trained, equipped and go through that. Then you can start maybe co-leading a group or leading a group, help others come into freedom. So it's not just about, do I think I need freedom or not? No, this is about growing as a disciple. That's what it's about. Grow as a disciple, grow in your walk with God, grow in a greater release of who God is. Then you can help others grow in a greater release as well. It's about growing. See, if you've been through freedom, and then, then co-lead a freedom group, co-lead a small group, start leading them something else. It's about going somewhere further to then be more fruitful to, in other people's lives. It's not about shall I do a course or not. It's about I want to grow. I want to be more fruitful. So I encourage you, if you've never done it, do it. Maybe some of you have done it and you think, oh, I, I, I want to do that again. Great, because it's actually a discipleship tool. It's not, I've got loads of problems, I need to go through freedom. I went, I went. I've been, I don't know how many times I've been through, the, the, about two or three times through the curriculum, being a participant in two encounters, and both of them, God decked me both times, all sorts of stuff. Not because I was in sin, not because my life was a mess. It's just that God was showing more of me, more of me who He is. And stuff that then he spoke about that just dropped off then. It's like, well, let's go further with God. Because I want to see how close I can walk with him. Not how far away I can walk, but still get away with just sort of 
not not with sin and stuff, but just, well, I don't, you know, I'll just, I'll mosey on at my own pace. No, there's a pace that God wants each one of us to be moving at. And I'm sure you do as well as I do. I want to go at the pace that God wants in, in this in my life, not the pace that I think I want to go at. Maybe say that to the Lord. God, I want to go at your pace, not my own. So Holy Spirit, take hold of what is yours. Fill afresh what is yours. We were going to pray for everybody, but we'll do that another time. Maybe we'll do that next week. Because we haven't got time to do that now. We'll maybe do it. Are all the kids back in here? Maybe we'll do it now then. Maybe not. I don't know. I'd love to pray for you. Lay hands on everybody. We'll do it next week. No, next week. It's going to be too tricky. Birthday party thing next week. We're going to pray for families, couples, individuals. So anybody who is... um, Right, anybody who's church leadership team, husband, wives, anybody in any sort of leadership, you've been on the prayer team of freedom, quickly come to the front now, quickly. Don't think, shall I, shan't I, just come to the front. Hopefully there'll be 15, 20, 25 people. There's some oil here. Can somebody just get the oil? Give everybody a bit of oil. We're going to pray for everybody. And if, if, I'm not trying to differentiate, I'm just trying to make this. If you're single, Somebody's going to pray with you. If you're married and don't have kids, I want you to come as a married couple and somebody's going to pray for you. If you have your kids here, family, I want you to come up and we're going to pray for you as a family. Is that okay? So I'm just praying for everybody. You need to spread out a little bit, guys. Go right over to the right and right over to the left. You need some space. Bit further, bit further, bit further. Go further, further, further. And we're going to worship now. Something God said to me Thursday morning commissioning power commissioning power and before he came this morning I thought we need to pray for everybody today so we're going to pray for everybody can you spread out a little bit more in the middle that's it and they're not going to pray long prayers but they're going to douse their hand this isn't going to be a dab either on the end of the finger if you're going to pray for people I want you to soak your hands in oil okay tip the oil all over your hands your fingers and everything so you've got loads on your hands if you're praying for people Okay, just soak your hands. You can do it now if you, once you've got your oil. Soak your hands in oil. Make sure you've got loads on there. And so this is going to be quite quick. Because when God does some things, sometimes it doesn't need ages of standing there. And am I feeling anything? This is not a time to go over in the Spirit either. This is a time to stand. God is commissioning us, releasing us and sending us. Are you ready? Are you ready? So if, if all the family with kids, can you come first? Because from a concentration point of view, we don't, just to help the families for a minute so that the kids aren't just, oh, you're trying to, you know, whatever, because they, they, they want to go or run around or whatever. So everybody with families, come and find somebody. If you've got kids, just move along the rows, okay? Everybody's going to get prayed for right now. Families first with kids, just to help the families. First of all, but let's just lift our hands right now, wherever we are. Father, we thank you. We praise your name. We thank you. You're calling us to be watchmen and workmen. Father, we thank you for the grace and the anointing. Thank you, Father, that when Jesus got the 12 together and he sent them, he, he gave them authority 
to do certain things. He gave them authority to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. He gave them authority to heal people, to take authority over demonic negative activity, to heal the incurable, to raise the dead, to do amazing things in the natural and nuts and in the natural can't be done. But by you, all things are possible for those who believe. So Father, I thank you for a fresh release of the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for commissioning power right now in every person's life, in every marriage, in every family. Father, I thank you for a fresh release of the Holy Spirit in every life to respond to what you're saying, to, to pray in the watch wherever you've told us to pray and to be a watchman in whatever way you've told us to be a watchman, whatever that looks like. Father, I thank you for a church on the move. I thank you for a mobilised people. Father, I thank you for a people moving together, synchronised together, synchronised together in the same time, moving at the same pace, going together as a body synchronised, synchronised as this ship that we see moving together for victory, for people, for lives. We thank You, Lord. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. As soon as they're just... That's it. Don't take long praying, okay? Don't pray out loads of prayers. If you're praying for people, just lay your hands on their foreheads and just say something like here, thank you, Father, for commissioning power. That's all you need to do. So be quick, be quick, be quick, okay? Don't start praying for them, bless them and do this. Just lay your hand on them. Don't use your finger on their forehead. Lay your hand on their forehead. Slap your hand on their forehead. Father, thank you for your commissioning power right now for this person, this couple, this family. Father, we thank you for fresh release, Father in every life, in every context, across the whole body, to be more effective, more fruitful, to move in the way that You've called us to move, to synchronise with You in the way You've called us to be synchronised. Father, I thank You for that release, release, release today. Release today to be who You've called us to be, to go where You've called us to go. We thank You, Lord. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. We praise Your Name. That's it, just quick prayers, quick prayers. Don't pray long prayers over these guys. Just lay your hands on them. Say, here's the release of God's commission in power. Then the next person, commission in power right now. Just believe as you lay hands on them. There's release, release, release into people's lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just keep coming. Everybody else, just keep coming. Anybody can come down and get prayed for. Don't, don't wait now. Now the kids have been done. You come out your row. Come and get prayed with. God's commissioning power being released right now to go, to be, to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I speak over every dry bone, 
every dry area that's had stuff stolen away from it, every dry area that's not yet alive to the things of God. I prophesy life. I command those dry bones to come together throughout the body at every age group, at every strata. I prophesy life. Bones come together. Life, fill the bones. Fill the bones. Every area. I speak life over you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 